Bad news. Bad news for the state. Bad news for capital. Bad news for patriarchy. Bad news for all forms of domination. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide. If these news are bad, I don't want to be good. Hello everyone. You are listening to Bad News for March 2023. This month we only have three contributions. After answering the call for anti-Lukov march, the anti-fascist mobilization in Sofia on 25th of February, a delegation of the anti-authoritarian movement from Ljubljana, also with a member of Lukna, a radio show on Radio Student, continued its journey to Istanbul. Being there in the beginning of March, it was three weeks after the earthquake disaster. We managed to do an interview with a comrade concerning the earthquake situation. For security reasons of the comrade, there is a filter over the voice. A report from Istanbul. Earthquake solidarity coordination of the anarchist movement in conditions of authoritarian regime. After answering the call for anti-Luko March, anti-fascist mobilization in Sofia on 25th of February this year, a delegation of anti-authoritarian movement from Ljubljana continued its journey to Istanbul, where we managed to meet two interesting parts of the anarchist scene, one organized around so-called situationists and another organized in anarchist solidarity coordination. Being there in the beginning of March, it was three weeks after the earthquake disaster that mainly hit southeast of Turkey, Rojava and northeast Syria. It was the time when many people were returning from the affected area, the time when those who were saved were saved from the ruins, and the time when state, in its state of emergency mode, was starting to enforce its authoritarian and corrupted policies in the affected area. For the beginning, we will listen to a short overview of the general situation in Turkey, how the anarchist movement flourished from Gezi Park in Taksim uprising in 2013, spread its activities in neighborhoods and was later seriously affected by a somewhat dodgy coup attempt in 2016, which was conveniently used by the Erdogan government to further the entrenchment of the authoritarian regime and attack all the opposing elements in the society. Peace negotiations with Kurds were stopped and the Turkish state relaunched a war in the area of North Kurdistan, which was followed by a serious economic crisis. It is necessary to take into consideration those circumstances when we are talking about earthquake and bear in mind that elections in May are coming soon. Uh, I should more briefly uh, maybe tell you the, the short history of the recent movement, social movement, which like we can differentiate it from like before Gezi and after Gezi. The thing is there, there used to be a lot of uh, neighborhood uh, solidarity uh, networks and the neighborhood assemblies, neighborhood scale assemblies spread all around many cities. And like by the coup attempt by 2016 it's kind of like this rapture and is kind of blocked and after this uh, coup attempt there had been a state of emergency 
declared in all around the country. So like the, the security, yeah, the security measures have been really set. And plus this also includes the what's happening in, in Rojava and it's like the, the, the Turkish uh, state Republic of Turkey has uh, stopped the, the peacemaking process with the Kurdish movement. So like the security measurements has again set and the living conditions became to be harder and there's a crazy Uh, organization of the street throughout uh, militarist uh, attempts. So this leads the, the this big movement just to be around. I would say like the most of the young generations who used to carry it, like the edu- well educated, like um, who were involved with, with politics and uh, active with the, the local uh, movements. I don't know, maybe half of them has moved abroad <laughs> say like to, to Europe basically plus the rest of the people here had like had lots of uh, infrastructure like community kitchens are done some collective some collectives functioning around are really weakened uh, but like there's another for, for the rest of the people who been here I would say like it was the The evaluation of the leader of uh, Turkey last year, so like which which made the rest of the people like three times poorer, uh, certainly. And so like within all these things, uh, it was not the best times for the uh, for the social movements, including anarchist movement and all. The reaction of the people to the earthquake, in comparison with the state, was immediate and was organized all over Turkey. Cars, vans and trucks were loaded, solidarity coordinations established and equipment for rescuing efforts delivered. This also happened on the back of still fresh memory of the experience from another devastating earthquake that happened in 1999 near the city of Izmir. The comrade from the Situationist movement joined the group heading towards Antakya. They used their political contacts from the area to coordinate themselves and the resources, a lot of which were coming from the movement's social economy connected with self-managed cooperatives and other social or cultural projects. This earthquake, so now three weeks yes. ago, yeah. and it's been like officially almost 50,000 dead. And like it's it's its concern was like in this cities officially declared cities there are 13 million people living in like um, 1.7 million of these 13 million people are the Syrian migrants. So like there in all these cities there are different cultural backgrounds and with our group here in Istanbul. I'm involved with some music collectives and all. We basically looking on cultural field, uh, field from a libertarian perspective as a situationist action. Plus, um, involved with different social economy on different producers and consumers cooperatives and uh, like their networking. Uh, this is more or less what we can do on the on the times of um, 
state violence, let's say, oppression. But with our group, we were kind of ready for these kind of situations. We do like community kitchen work, we organize festivals and etc. So like we have generators, we have, I don't know, some concrete breakers or like some basic knowledge about the emergency situational organization. Because like some of us are rooted by the uh, the other earthquakes that happened in 99, for example, in uh, in Marmara. There were like different experiences of search and rescue things. So like we have loaded our kitchen equipment and plus the uh, equipment, technical equipment, and with dozen of compass, we arrived to Atakia city, passing through Adana and Iskenderun cities where also uh, earthquake has hit. Because one of our friends was actually there and we were to carry her to to his family. So like we started to be active in, in Antakya and like that's a city that we used to be several times. And just also on one hand for uh, we already had uh, many contacts in this city. It's also a political pretty active city. Uh, it's on the Syrian border. So like during the Syrian revolution on the early days of the, the, the massive migration from Syria to rest of the world, like it became to be one of the hub cities. So like we, we've been there for several times for some watchdog activities or like local people interest. Plus we have several friends locally based there. It's like this, like from this neighborhood where we were, we have three who have been uh, killed by state and fascist violence during, you know, just during the Gaza protests. Um, this city is totally erased, I should say. Like half of it is like already demolished, plus the rest of the half should be demolished because like they're not standing anymore. So like, um, yeah, our priority was the, the solidarity work, whatever we can put in there with our facilities with our being. So we did a lot of like search and rescue thing and we did some cooking. We did some a lot of logistics works for like even people lift for for the goods or like for the short transport. So yeah, we can easily say that anybody in Antakya wants to be in Antakya wants to rebuild. But like, there's another reality that not all, not much motivating thing for the people to stay and make their life there. In the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, the movement started to be intensively involved indirect help efforts focused at first on saving lives, establishing self-organized hubs to provide basic needs of the population and coordinating logistical support by delivering goods from one hub to another. Additional attention was put to decentralize resources from the urban centers to the peripheral areas. Now, after three weeks, movement is getting organized on the basis of rotations of smaller groups of up to 10 people which are taking shifts in the affected areas, while others are organizing in their localities. 
In comparison with the immediate self-organized response of the general population, the response of the state was a bit different. For five days there was a stateless vacuum and when its response finally came, it came in the form of the army and heavy machinery. Humanitarian help for people was provided only later. Like the state's response was really slow, I should say. The first time we felt the, the state was maybe by the fifth day and it was by the patrols of the some soldiers and you know so it's like it, it was not there so like it was super interesting to see still kind of uh, the rest of the people who survived were able to organize themselves in fields of communities where there is there was not properly functioning state authority there and on the on the other hand yeah like the the state's response like when it became to settle its uh, authority back it, it came back with construction machines and uh, the soldier and police and uh, not much more and so like in the, in the first day they have declared a state of emergency yeah, and it seems that the like from from here on they will control the central parts of the, the cities with roadblocks, etc. And it will probably be open for only for construction machines and uh, security forces again. Yeah, so so I can say that I was not a state response as it should be. Yes, like they they want the control and they don't want the the, the civil. The people themselves to, to do things to get organized and so maybe they feel weak out of it maybe i don't know what they uh, want but like they, they want to keep the power and to be the to be the help provider position for for themselves in general the government does not encourage people of the affected areas to stay. They are in favor of displacing them to other cities. We can speculate that the reasons for this are linked to two main agendas. The first one is connected with a big diversity of strong ethnic, cultural and religious communities. It is the area where strong Kurdish communities present as well as the Alawites. Since the latter are also strongly represented in the neighboring Syrian state, the issue is cynically exploited by the Turkish state in order to pursue its rivalry with Syria's Assad regime. For the Alawites in Turkey, this could mean breakup of their traditional communities and further displacement. Still, people are continuing continuing to organize themselves on the outskirts of the cities, towards where solidarity support of the movement is also shifted. So the civil population uh, moved out, and if I understand, then you also started to operate more on the outskirts of the city, in the true. villages, and it is also nice to organize themselves in the villages. That's true. This is on. But the thing is, they motivate the people to uh, to migrate to the, the other cities, better rather than uh, giving them an, a shelter. But like they say, ah, oh, we have bus, we, we can carry you to Antalya, to Ankara, to anywhere. So this was one thing. And also the second is some, in this town especially, the, the, the families, most of the families as their um, uh, parts of the families on the on the surrounding 
villages, nearby villages. These families has moved to, to the gardens of their relatives, their brothers, mothers, or whoever's uh, land. So they, it's it's usual to see on the uh, on the uh, suburban uh, villages five six families coming together to to make a com community life there. When you're talking about family, yes, I mean like. 50 And also it is a little bit lucky because as I understand it is a farmer country so they can provide. That's true and the good thing is that the spring is almost here. So like the, the, the weather conditions will be nicer to be to be out on a tent or something. The second agenda of the state is connected with the neoliberal cleansing of the cities. There are big interests connected to the coming investments investments which aim to shape the cities according to the needs of capital. It is exactly in this light that we should understand the situation in which a lot of people will be expropriated with the excuse that they don't have the money necessary to rebuild their homes. The governmental set here is really organized around the construction business. So like this earthquake is business opportunity for them to make more profits. So, depending on our experiences of other earthquakes, like starting from 99, we can easily say that the, there will be a shift of land ownership on favor of the business. And since we are talking about an authoritarian regime, very familiar with corruption and clientelism, we can also understand that they do not want any civilians around their businesses. This is also why the government is forcing people out of the cities. During our visit in Turkey, we also got an information that the police and the army made an ultimatum to the self-organized hub there to move in six hours or they will be removing it by force. On other occasions, people that were protesting in front of the Turkey's Red Crescent Crescent against the corruption were beaten up and arrested. Those behaviors of the state need to be understood also in light of the upcoming elections in, on which current government want to show themselves as a patron and violently shut up all voices of criticism. In the upcoming times, indeed, we can also say that we also follow up from the, with the media that uh, there's a little corruption, of course. Like the, the, the states, Red Crescent, they, they've been selling the, the tents uh, that they, they should have uh, put there. They've been selling them to the uh, social sector. We also hear that there was a protest in front of this Red Crescent. A few days ago, the people uh, were beaten up, maybe even arrested. Truly. But like this is already like nowadays, like within the last five years, being beaten or arrested by a street action, any form of street action is not uh, almost optional. It's like the standard here. So yeah, but like there's not even space for giving some voice out about corruption. Mm -hmm. 
But as usual, like elsewhere, after great disasters, also strong solidarity among people is evident, as well as their stubborn stamina and hopes for the future. Even the iron fist of clero-fascist system cannot break this. Solidarity movement is currently already establishing legal networks that will support those whose houses will be targets for confiscation by the government. Engineers and architects are already planning community-based suggestions for the new neighborhoods. A lot of people see their future hopes in establishing different kinds of cooperatives based on solidarity economy. And the last but not the least, anarchist movement is having ideas of establishing new hubs which will be serving as connecting points of the local communities and others in order to self-organize the infrastructure according to the wishes of the people and not of capital. There are hopes that from ashes of the old, new ideas can flourish. So, there are different opportunities for new ideas because the city is destroyed and it's going to be rebuilt again. And so, like, we, we see the will to build up the city. Ah. So, like, we want what we want to make. It's like in this city, doing, like, being able to organize this kind of social work, we feel the need to have a space there functioning as a hub of different social movements to be there. Also to meet the, the local people. Yeah, that will be a perspective for us to join the rebuilding of the city. Because like with our music collective, we used to play there, we used to have different houses to, to play. We used to have friends who had places for us and to be there safely and perform our music and meet our people and dance. But now it's not there anymore. Like the city has lost not only its people or its its houses, but also like these cultural and social spaces. Maybe, yeah, we can join to the remaking of the city with uh, building up a social center and see how it comes. How how we would uh, build up a city. About the work we've, we've been doing like with, with our collective, like one can easily find it in uh, bandista.org plus there are local organizations that we also do work together and like one of them is the cultural foundation on in on behalf of Alice Malkopmas who is one of our compas who's been killed by police plus civil fascists and hardly beaten to death and in Eskishir. Yeah, these can be the, the addresses to, to follow up. Plus, there are several different works are being done uh, by other different groups, like a lot of architects, a lot of different forms of engineers, a lot of ecologists, a lot of construction workers, a lot of metalsmiths, a lot of new ideas, a lot of community life making ideas welcomed so like this can be an open invitation for all different groups like to find to try to find their ways to to join this new blooming this blossoming of the, the cities on 
What's the revolution to you? To kill the bosses and take their money. <laughs> Как ти можеш една демократска държава да издат народна устанака? Кенни Лукна е също сharing a call for the upcoming Balkan Anarchist Book Fair that will be held in Ljubljana, Slovenia, between 7th and 9th of July 2023. The aim of Pub 23 is to bring together in a big transnational political gathering people and initiatives involved in the anarchist movement from the Balkans. Europe and hopefully other continents as well. The gathering is to take place 20 years after the first Balkan Anarchist Book Fair that was held in 2003, also in Ljubljana. Listen to the history, political meaning and agenda of the book fair and join the process. The event will take place under the slogan Over the Walls of Nationalism and War. Hi, we are here with comrade from the Organizational Assembly of Balkan Anarchist Book Fair of 2003. 23, which will happen in Ljubljana this year again, uh, like 10 years ago and then 20 years ago. So let's start with some basic uh, questions. Uh, where, when, uh, and at the end, why? <laughs> okay, so uh, this year uh, Balkan Anarchist Book Fair is celebrating 20 years of existence. And since the first uh, Balkan Anarchist Book Fair took place in Ljubljana, in Slovenia, in 2003, Our group from Ljubljana um, had an idea to host the event again for the 20 years anniversary. So this is why this is why we um, proposed to the Balkan Anarchist Network our hosting for 2023, and this proposal was accepted at the last uh, book fair that took place last year in Cluj in Romania. So for us, uh, it is very important to use this opportunity, uh, this uh, anniversary, as an opportunity to organize a big international, a strong international anarchist uh, political uh, gathering. So um, our agenda is to, uh, to invite a lot of people from all parts of Europe, Balkans, and of course also hopefully from other continents. Uh, and the idea is not only to present books and publications that our movement is doing, but uh, more importantly to create a space for political discussion, political networking and organizing. And this is why we are um, yeah, very much involved in uh, investing uh, energy into bringing people with which we think it's important to network, uh, talk, uh, discuss uh, uh, issues and uh, hopefully um, also create a basis for some concrete activity uh, in the future together. So uh, this is agenda for this year. The book fair will take place from 7th till 9th of July 2023 in Ljubljana in a um, few different spaces. Um, we try also to inv involve in the local organization team uh, all parts of the anti-authoritarian movement. So uh, different spaces and different groups are participating in in uh, this process. I can uh, give uh, first exclusive uh, news also here that um, we received a concrete proposal from uh, from a local uh, anarcha uh, and anarcha feminist uh, uh, groupings. Uh, they had a proposal also based on the discussions in last BAP in Cluj, where uh, it was discussed that. Uh, 
uh, more space should be given to also to the questions of uh, feminism, uh, gender issues and uh, queer, uh, queer organizing. So this is why I can say that uh, Balkan Anarchist Book Fair will, will start a day early with so-called day, with so-called day zero. Uh, when the, the main topic will be, as I said, uh, anarcha queer organizing, networking, gender issues, feminism and other stuff. So, uh, Book Fair actually starts with pre-event on the 6th of uh, July. Uh, let's go a bit back because it is important to state that this is not just a book fair, it is on, in the first place a political event. So let's remember how it started because to understand why is it a political event even now, not just a, a simple book fair of uh, lots of nice production, even though it will be for sure. Uh, can we go back at the beginning and just state a short context in which this uh, first uh, book fair was organized in the Balkans? Yeah, first book fair, uh, the initiative for first uh, Balkan anarchist book fair came from the discussion, political discussion among uh, firstly anarchists from uh, former Yugoslavian countries. Uh, the idea was, it w was just to create a space where we can meet and use uh, this space to continue organizing. Uh, book fair um, uh, become an important tool uh, of the movement in all the other years and it's still a, a very much relevant and important tool uh, till today. Uh, a tool of the movement, not only at the beginning, as I said, the core uh, crew was coming from uh, former Yugoslavia, but soon was um, widened uh, to other Balkan countries like uh, Greece, Bulgaria, Romania and uh, beyond and today it's uh, it's still as I said very relevant uh, relevant uh, tool of this movement that all in this years also created some of the structures uh, communication tools and is doing also is using this these tools or this network uh, for other political uh, activities in the region and beyond this region and uh, yeah it was very important for uh, small movement from 20 years ago uh, to to develop uh, its ideas its stru structures uh, because this kind of international regional uh, contact uh, communication uh, networking was very important for uh, these small groups to develop okay this was a very nice teaser can you at the end just tell us where to find the first call and all the other important informations for the people that want to uh, involve even maybe even now not just during the the book fair itself uh, all the informations uh, you can find on the official website for this year's book fair which is uh, bab2023.autonomia.org um, we there you will find also the first call for participation to the international movement, which is already translated into 16 languages. So please uh, forward this call to your networks and your comrades. Uh, in this call, we also articulate partly uh, the political agenda of the meeting and give informations that are needed. We will publish on the website all relevant information also about the program, logistics and other things in the future weeks and future months. Uh, of course, we this is a self-organized uh, event, event based on anarchist principles and ideas. So this means that we want to in involve uh, people in the pro process already before the book fair and obviously at the event itself. So if you have proposals, ideas, questions or any other uh, things you want to communicate with, with the or local organizational team, please write to email 
bab2023@riseup.net we are also on uh, some of the social medias like uh, mastodon uh, facebook and so on yeah see you in Ljubljana then yeah yeah bye for more info have a look at bab23.autonomia.org the last contribution comes from the finest straw from the so-called united states of america the finest straw radio spoke with a defendant and supporter in the trial of mutual aid activists and journalists facing felony littering and conspiracy charges for protests against homeless camp evictions in the freezing temperatures in december of 2021 in Asheville, North Carolina, USA. The trial begins April 10th, 2023, nearly one and a half years after the arrest. To hear more about the case, check out the full episode at thefinalstraradio.noblox.org. This month on Bad News, The Final Straw is featuring a story from our own backyard here in Asheville, North Carolina. Since December of 2021, there have been 16 people facing various charges, including felony littering or conspiracy to felony litter for protesting homeless encampment evictions by the city and local police, just as a blizzard was approaching and without public shelter spaces being available. Activists and journalists were arrested during the protest or were visited with warrants at their workplaces and homes in the weeks following and some visits came to people utterly unconnected to the protests. The charge of felony littering is usually reserved for big businesses who are dumping toxic chemicals in waterways, not protesters camping in a park. And the city, police, and district attorney have continued to pursue prosecution of the 16 activists, banning them from public parks, even before any conviction for a crime. And simultaneously, the city officials have complained about staffing shortages. Also, right-wing citizens and business groups have spread rumors nationally of an increased crime rate in Asheville related to houseless folks, and has been claiming that homeless people have been bussed in from out of town because there are services available here. This is only a portion of the chat that we had with Pip and Grace about the trials starting on April 10th, 2023. The rest can be heard at our website, thefinalstarradio.noblogs.org, where you can find ways to keep up with the defendants and support the case. My name is Pip, and I currently have a felony littering charge associated with all this hubbub. been around the Asheville area about 15 years, and affiliations, I'm just a country queer. Um, my name is Grace. I use their she pronouns. Um, and I've been in Asheville for about 17 years, done some work alongside Asheville Survival Program, and then um, became involved in this absurd case. Yeah. So um, 16 folks received felony littering charges. And this was in regards to a demonstration at a, in a public park in Asheville advocating for sanctuary camping for folks that live on the streets. And that happened um, around Christmas time in 2021. And so we've just been in the long slag of court ever since then with those charges. And the charges are pretty rare felony littering, which is not a common charge. <laughs> so I've definitely had people when I've been explaining what's going on, find it pretty unbelievable, like to the point of like wondering if I'm making it up, I suppose. But even um, judges at different date, court days that we've had have like thrown their hands up in exasperation or been like visibly frustrated about how stupid this whole thing is. So I feel like there's got to be some hope of this getting dropped if even the judges think it's stupid. But 
who knows? Let's see. Asheville definitely bills itself as kind of the a progressive haven, and our primary uh, economic driver is tourism, and we also have an exorbitant amount of breweries. We've seen an influx of people also over the past several years from all over the country, um, especially through COVID. So we have a lot of new folks in the area. We spend a lot of money through the Tourism and Development Authority trying to attract people to come here. And our unhoused neighbors are, you know, being pushed further and further out as housing prices increase. We have the highest cost of living in uh, the state. And so people will be camping often on roadsides or, you know, there are some other spots where people just are trying to find some place to go because it's basically illegal to sleep anywhere um, in our town. And we're spending a lot of money on uh, sweeping any encampments that, that they find, that the police find. What we just have seen is just such a rapid rise in the rent prices. So it's just pushing out locals. I think anecdotally in the 15 years that I've been here, rent has about tripled, but more concrete data that we've gotten recently said that rents raised 41% since just the beginning of the pandemic. So I know this isn't Asheville specific. A lot of places are dealing with this, but it's just super rapid rise in rent prices. There's been no new public housing stock in such a long time here. So our current wait list for single units is two to three years. And that's if you can jump through all the hoops on the way to get one of those units. So yeah, just not enough housing stock for, for folks that live here. So Asheville Survival Program started at the beginning of the pandemic. And when it first started, it was primarily grocery delivery for folks that were immunocompromised and couldn't leave their house. And then um, the health department um, shut down the ability for the local homeless day center to serve coffee and food. And so a bunch of sweeties decided to take that on. And they were doing it seven days a week, which is like pretty much a miracle to have punks be awake early in the morning, seven days a week for a really long time. But as services have come back, that has gotten pared down to Saturday and Sundays throughout those three years. Asheville Survival Program also operated a free store for quite a while, and uh, along with funding direct aid asks. The tensions began rising when the police made associations between Asheville Survival Program and some demonstrations at big camp evictions. And so that's where the tension started. And it grew a lot because um, Asheville Survival Program, ASP from here on out, just served food in a public park that's really close to a very fancy set of tennis courts that are some fancy clay floor that people come from far away to play tennis on. And so I think the citywide tension started rising very quickly because a lot of those tennis players have a fair bit of pull with the city. So the um, the fight of like whose who's space is this public park kept getting amplified and amplified because of that tension between the tennis court people not wanting to see poor people on the weekends when they're trying to play tennis and when ASP was had food and gear and stuff at the park. I wonder if you all could talk a bit about how the cases are going how many folks are still facing charges if, if some folks have settled and yeah, kind of what's, what's going to trial. Yeah, for sure. So it's been a long span of a lot of uneventful things for most of it. There, there have been three individuals that have taken plea deals and mostly that was for folks that were uh, looking at more severe consequences and so the rest of the folks are either going to trial on April 10th, if the state decides to go through with it, or they're just off the calendar. So charges are not dropped. They're just in the matrix, I guess. 
But um, so four or five folks are going to be taken to trial on April 10th, as it stands now. And they're just holding the other cases open, correct? So that's something to kind of hold over over people's heads. It's not like going to be a resolution for them either. Yeah. I, it, it feels like this is just my speculation that what they're doing is if they can win this trial, then they'll probably keep pursuing it. And if they can't, then it will probably be resolved. The plea deals have seemed completely unappetizing to most people because for a lot of folks, they're just like was not illegal things that were done. So I think for a lot of folks, it's like, I just don't want to face any consequences because I literally have a felony charge for bringing seven pizzas to a park, which is just not illegal. So the state could offer like, oh, you could take this misdemeanor with all this community service. But I think a lot of folks don't want to do that for bringing hot cocoa to the park, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I would, I don't know if this is coming up later in questions, but I also would say in looking back at their investigation of these littering charges, there was a phenomenal amount of resources used in some of it. Like they had put a tracker on ASP's van. They had put a camera across the street from the free store. They had been watching like ASP's food distro just from the tennis court building. And so just like looking at all these like hundreds and hundreds of hours of work about like picnics to surveil picnics was really wild to like see that and then hear them be like, we're so short staffed. Can you talk about the costs of taking away the trash from the protests in December of 2021 and also the losses that people have experienced being on trial? So, I mean, their claim is that it took them 2,600, I think. Yeah, to to tote it away. And it's been different for different people. Like some people have lost their housing or um, jobs, different things, like tangible things. I think a big loss was that ASP had to move out of the public parks because we weren't able to have enough people show up every week because so many folks were banned from public parks that do the food distro every week. And I think it's just like a loss to lose like the only public forum in town as a place to gather and have meetings, especially during COVID when it's nice to have outdoor meetings. I just have been really inspired to watch all the folks who've been going through this and how they've pursued it because it's so important for them to be able to stand up to this and for us to be able to talk about what's going on in our community. And I think that even though we can talk about how the number of resources that they're spending on this are, you know, that that's ridiculous. I think it just shows how powerful mutual aid really is or else they wouldn't be spending these kind of resources to, to tear it down. So, you know, if people are listening to this in other places, connecting in with where your mutual aid programs are happening, that would be really great too. So we can grow that. That's it for this month. I hope you enjoyed the time listening to our Anarchist News program. And now, take care and goodbye. Many police officers have been hurt. Men and women who are trying to protect democratically elected leaders. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Local anarchists and anti-authoritarian radio shows on one spot. 
Tune in every 15th of the month. More information on a-radio-network.org What's the revolution to you? <laughs> to kill the bosses and take their money. <laughs>